This summer, don't sweat the comet. Forget about the lizard. Don't look up. Oh, you that big. Look down. Are you going to let yourself get beat by a bunch of stupid toys? On July 10th. I'm having an aneurysm. Size isn't everything. It's a small world after all. Small soldiers. This film is not yet rated. Starts Friday, July 10th. Medic! Welcome to the show, Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my awesome, sexy, amazing, interesting, about-to-talk-about-small-soldiers co-host, Tyler Wilson. I think it's the only time you've ever complimented me on this show, ever. <gasps> really? <laughs> it, sounded like, it sounded like you were just pretending. I mean, you were in a Jurassic Park shirt. Hey, did you change your shirt? I took a shower. Oh, yeah, okay. Because <laughs> earlier you were wearing your... Your uh, Jurassic Park shirt. Yeah, I was. Now I'm wearing a Jurassic Park shirt. Different. Mm-hmm. Great, huh? That is great. I like the trailer that you plays, played there for Small Soldiers and that it was talking about, obviously, like, because it was the summer of 1998 when, like, Armageddon was out, when that Godzilla movie was out. And you'd think that, like, this show, if we're going to do a 1998 movie about blockbusters, maybe we would do one of those. And we might. But nah. we'll just do Small Soldiers. So here's how this went down. <laughs> Tyler was like, hey. We're going to watch Endgame. Avengers Endgame. You know, which is a superhero movie. Right. So we should pick a superhero movie from the 80s or 90s. Right. So we reviewed, uh, or we looked at several. Considered sure. several. We considered several. So then... Uh, but it basically boiled down to, like, you didn't want to watch a Batman movie. <laughs> I wasn't in the mood for Batman. Um, so then we were uh, going through the Hulu. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were looking at movies in the 80s and 90s. And this is not a superhero movie. And... Uh, you gave me a couple choices out of the ones that were up there. Yep. Including Bushwhack. Oh, don't say it, because that means maybe we can't do it for the next episode. Why can't we? <laughs> we could. We could. Sure, still can. <laughs> um, and Small Soldier. And I think you were drawn to Small Soldier because of Winter Soldier. <laughs> maybe. Right? Oh, there you go. There was our tie-in right there. Tie-in. Because that's my favorite of the MCU movies, is Winter See? Soldier. I knew. So maybe that's why. Uh, I think it I drew it drew to me because I have not seen this movie since a long time ago. Since you were fifteen, probably it was like a, it was like a TV. It was on TV a lot, but oh yeah. So I think I was just there was part of me that was like this like fascination of like what is this and why did I see this then and why is it? Yeah, I it was a I just had to. It just felt like the right thing to watch at the time. Now mm-hmm. I regret it, but. <laughs> So before we get into it, mm-hmm. have you been watching anything recently that you want to share? Okay, so we we did see we, Avengers Endgame, but we're not going to talk about it until the end of the episode. We're going to be a little bit more um, careful because people are, you know, spoiler. I mean, by the time this comes out, people have had a chance to see it, obviously. But, uh, you know, we're going to put it at the end of the episode. That way we can talk. We're going to talk about it pretty freely. We'll mark it on our little time code when we're done talking about Small Soldiers. We'll talk about Avengers Endgame, okay? Now, in, ad- in advance of Avengers Endgame, I, w- I had to write a little, a uh, couple pieces, uh, writing pieces on, uh, for some gigs I have on the MCU. So I did rewatch kind of some, some gigs of- you have. Yeah, some writing gigs. For some newspapers. Right. So, um, I wanted to rewatch a few of the ones that I'm less familiar with. So I don't really need to watch Winter Soldier right now because I, I've seen Winter Soldier and I really like that one. It's very seen fresh it fairly in your recently. Didn't really need to see Infinity War again right now just because I've seen it. I might. Well, no. I mean, maybe now I'll watch it, but who knows? I just didn't need to see it ahead of the of the other movie. So I ended up watching a couple of the ones I hadn't seen in a while. 
or ones that I thought were like kind of regarded as lesser. And that included uh, the first Thor, uh, the second Thor, Thor the Dark World, and Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 3. Mm-hmm. And so I will say that I, I, I appreciated the first Thor when it came out. Uh, I know that the Thor movies until Ragnarok are not as well regarded um, in terms of just that character being used to its full potential. I agree. I think the move, the Chris Hemsworth has been better utilized more recently mm-hmm. than he was in those first movies. But I do kind of like how Thor, the original, sets up this whole world of Asgard. It's Kenneth Branagh directing it. It's got this Shakespearean vibe to it. It's very out there. And it's kind of fun. It works well enough. It's certainly not great, but I, it does give you enough of that. It's early. It's as early in the MCU before it really was all over the place. So I appreciated that. I remember having a better... I know that Thor The Dark World is regarded often at the bottom of the pile. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was always of the mind of like, well, I saw it and I thought it was fine and I thought it was okay or good. But and so I have it. Never watched it since I obtained it. Um, watched it and just... Yeah, it's a pre- it's a bore. <laughs> Natalie Portman's in that yeah, one? Yeah, she's, she's in those first two. Um, she's not in Ragnarok. It's... It really is tough to get through. It's just, it's just a lot going on and it's not really moving as fast as you want it to. It doesn't mm-hmm. pick up. Like, Ragnarok really, like, gives you that, all that stuff, but it also just, like, kicks it into gear quickly and gets you onto, like, its main plot. Mm-hmm. The Dark World is all over the place for a while mm-hmm. and then it, it takes forever to focus on what it's going to be about. And then it gets a little better, but no. Uh, I like, I've always liked Iron Man 3. That is the one that Shane Black came in to direct and it has a Shane Black screenplay vibe to it the end where it's just uh don Cheadle and robert Downey jr like equipping and having like a little buddy cop climax is really great i've always really liked the bait and switch on the mandarin which was like a troubling character to do because it's basically all reaped in asian stereotypes and the way that that movie handles it is i think clever and fun and i liked that bait and switch and then iron man 2 is also another one that's really low low rated and I get it. Like, it's definitely got some problems, but I try to, I've always kind of liked it because it really is the first of all these movies that had to kind of wrestle with the universe. Mm-hmm. Because Iron Man 1, it's the first one, but other than like the Nick Fury tag at the end, it's just a superhero. Like, it's an origin story. Like, it wasn't really until after that Incredible Hulk movie that Iron Man 2 was like trying to build out this bigger universe. Like, they were tasked with doing something. They have to expand S.H.I.E.L.D., they introduce Black Widow. Not in a great, I mean, there's some, she's definitely like, everybody's ogling her and there's, there's problems with that. She, I think Scarlett Johansson's good in the part and she's good enough to kind of overcome that. And I don't think the villain is great. I, I like Mickey Rourke, but it doesn't really register. But for what it's trying to do and all this thing, it's really still focused on Tony. It's not that action heavy. You, it definitely is pushing you to kind of like, not like aspects of the Tony Stark character, which mm-hmm. has always been kind of a, through line, like, mm-hmm. I like Robert Downey Jr.'s performance and that he's always able to kind of play this guy as a little bit of a prick. Um, Schmarmy. But someone that you like and you understand. And the movie, it's pretty um, contrived in how it, like, resolves this, but he's, like, dying from, like, his thing he put in his chest. And so it's trying to wrestle with that a little bit. And it's, it's, has, it's, just, it's a tough movie because it's trying to build up to what would eventually be the Avengers and all this other stuff. So I just kind of have, like, a little more appreciation for it than a lot of people do. The point is, is that I like most of these movies, so it's like, even the ones that are like the lesser ones, I I kind of like. Mm-hmm. So. so that's what I've been watching. I watched that before, you know, Endgame. Oh, the other thing I watched, I was going to tell you, was uh, I watched it on my TCM app. 
my Turner Classic movies. Ah, uh, here we go. Just okay. one. I'm just gonna talk about one. Okay. Uh, I watched Rebel Without a Cause, which I thought I had seen a long time ago. With what's his name? James Dean. But what I loved watching it like this, I don't know if I remember when I saw it. It felt pretty fresh to me. Maybe I'd never seen it. But what I enjoyed watching it was like now that I've loved, seen and loved The Room so much. Mm-hmm. And when after I read the Disaster Artist book and after the Disaster Artist movie came out and all of like the constant obsession that Tommy Wiseau had with James Dean and Rebel with Other Cause – it's so great to watch some of this stuff. Oh, yeah. Because there's like the, you're tearing me apart is mm-hmm. like, there's a, that's Linus from Rebel Without a Cause. Like the key is like, you're te- tearing me apart. Like it's, that's there. There's like a, there's a thing where like people are calling each other chicken mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're not doing the cheap, 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 like the room, but it's like very clearly like what he was thinking of oh when he God. made that. That is fantastic. So when you watch it with that context, uh, it's really fun. Mm-hmm. I would recommend that to anybody who likes the room. Just go, actually go back and like watch the Disaster Artist movie or read the book and then immediately go and watch that and just like try to catch all the things that Tommy Wiseau was trying to, uh. Trying to capture in his own film. That's Loved it. Fantastic. Oh, it's so fun. I had a really good time watching it with that context. So that's it. Anything else? Did you watch anything? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Nothing. I've been watching a lot of uh, of the uh, realtor.com app. Oh, cool. <laughs> Looking at houses for sale. Oh, that's not a show. Yeah. It's not entertaining, show. though. Yeah. Why not? I love looking at people's houses. Mm. Like what they got on. My favorite thing are the when you go into realtor.com and you see a lot of the pictures of stuff that, I mean, a lot of people will tell you to take down, but they leave up. <laughs> or like, I remember, it's been a while, but I shared this with you. It was like, there was this one where it was like, somebody's cat was like on every bed in the house. Like that's Was like, it a running gag or what? It was like, that's like a big no-no for staging your house. I also like when they just have creepy ass family photos where it's like, they're like old people and you're like... Ah, uh, this people is why your dead. house has been on the market for people a long time. People that have been dead time. for a while. Yeah, it's creepy. They're eyeballing you in the way they used to take mm-hmm. pictures, where they're mm-hmm. not smiling. Like, you know, those ones where they stood in the Old West, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. where they had to stand there for five hours, right? My favorite is the poorly staged homes. Yeah. That in itself is like its own show. So fun. Yeah. No, that's good. Um. So, but yep, mine had nothing to do with anything. <laughs> that's just, you know, what I've been doing. It's what you, been think- it's what you were thinking about right now when I was talking about Rebel Without a Cause. Um, what I was thinking is, mm-hmm. holy fuck, you have a lot of Funko Pops, babe. Yeah. I was going to start counting them. I have my app so count. Many. I have an app that counts. I mean, don't bother. What's the count at? Well, at, well, it actually that's cuz there's they add you can also add like little mystery mini things on there now and the dorps and stuff and I have a few of those things. So it's it's like boxed ones. There's a lot. I don't know. I don't you don't need to talk about it on the air. There's a lot. <laughs> a lot of them I got pretty like I I'm a I'm a bargain bin. Uh, so Funko, you've got like Pop 38 Finder. across. Yeah. Seven in a stack. Seven down. What's the math on that? 38 yeah. times seven. I'm a bar, I'm a bargain binner on those funk. I got a lot of those for when they're relatively cheap. And what's great is that you want a little secret about, not that I, I don't collect them to make money, but it tends to be like those, it's weird. It's random. Like some of the ones I've bought for like a dollar because they were clearancing and nobody wanted them. That have since been vaulted and you can't get them. And now people on eBay is like, I must have that hateful eight, uh, Funko Pop. I mean, I don't have like anything real expensive, but that's funny. Cause I got that hateful eight one when Toys R Us was like realized that they shouldn't be selling hateful eight Funko Pops uh-huh. and they sold them for eight cents. Okay. I have eight cent Funko Pops of the hateful eight and now they're worth like 30 bucks. That's crazy. Fantastic. <laughs> so, um, the math clicks out to around 266. Yeah, that's about right. Probably. 
So this is why we have to buy a new house, which is why I'm on the Realtor.com site. Because Tyler's outgrowing his man cave space. Eh, I could always make room. It's fine. I can manage. I mean, yeah, you could block out the windows with your collectibles. Eh. None of it's valuable. <laughs> um, if you'd like to see um, a, a picture of this, go ahead and check out our website, oldmillennialsremember.com. You won't post it. Tyler's saying I won't post it, but you I bet it. You've said someday... the number of things that you've said, go to our website to find that thing, and then it's not on there. Well, I dare someone to go, and uh. then to not see it, and then to bitch about it. <laughs> go ahead. I'd love yeah. to hear that. Go to our comments section under the contact us page. Is, is there a comments section? <laughs> it's not a comment section, but you can send us an email, okay. and we do hey. appreciate feedback. Hey. Can you? You can. <laughs> Do we have an email address? Yes. <laughs> it's yes. It's old, not, old old millennials remember at gmail.com. I'm not part of the day to day of this. So I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I, <laughs> you're not producer. You're lime producer. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for doing that. I always appreciate when you do those bits. Um, <laughs> no one else cares, but I like it. So <clears> that's fine. Seventeen years together. Yeah. You and I. I mean, that's... We got a lot of bits. There's there's not another soul on Earth that's going to catch that, but I nope. I caught it. <laughs> there is one other soul. Maybe... Uh, there's a handful. But he's not listening to this podcast. Yeah. Well, maybe the person that said it may know it, but I don't think he's listening either. Oh, who is it? Ben we... Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, because he was saying about the... The line producer. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I thought it was... I don't think it was... Or was Ben... He's not producing the movie. Line producing the movie. Was he making fun of... What's his name saying it, though? Who Pat Peach? Fuck him. (laughs) Who Pat Peach? (laughs) Fuck him. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, So those bits are from... Project Greenlight. Project Greenlight, which we've talked about in previous episodes. We have? (laughs) Pretty certain it's come up at least once. Do we talk about... We haven't done one of those movies, though, have we? No, I wouldn't be in the timeline, would it? We've talked about it, but... um, What a show. (laughs) Okay. So... We good? We done with? What yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. We'll talk about Avengers Endgame at the end. We'll tag it on our notes. So when do we start? Correct. Okay. So let's dig into Small Soldiers, 1998. Um, what do you remember? I will share it with you once I open the document. Okay, I'll share it first. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I'll tell you right off the bat before I read what I wrote. Mm-hmm. I remember this coming out, and I remember my cousins Tommy and DJ going to see it. Okay. And I was like, that's stupid. I'm never going to see that movie. Right. But hey, never fucking say never. Because here you are. Because, I mean, flash forward... 2019. 30 years, and you might be married to someone, and they might make you watch it. Let's watch Small Soldiers. Let's see, 1998, 08, okay, 20, 20 years. Yep. Okay. Here you are. So here I go. Um, This is what I wrote about what I remember, because I didn't see it. Okay. Um, Some people who think they're smart... Decided to make these toys come alive. Is it like a computer chip or AI or something like that? I remember seeing something. And then some of the toys are bad and some are good. I don't fucking know. I didn't see this movie probably because it sucks. (laughs) All right. I said action figures come to life, but this ain't no Toy Story. Oh, because Toy Story came out when? 95. Okay. Tommy Lee Jones is a military themed action figure wreaking havoc. And some kids and some other gentler action figures must stop them. This was supposed to be a big hit blockbuster with plenty of promotional tie-ins. Then, the world shrugged. Okay, real talk. Did you really remember that Tommy Lee Jones voiced it? That was the only thing that was notable to me about when the movie came out. Oh, yeah? When you were 15 years old? Yeah, because I liked The Fugitive, and I liked U.S. Marshals, the sequel to The Fugitive (sighs) that no one else saw. weirdo, Tyler. I like Tommy Lee Jones. Everybody... He was already in, like, Men in Black at that point. 97. Let's hit some high stats here. Okay. We're talking about Small Soldiers. 
came out July 10th, 1998. Don't I know it. You were a sexy 14 years old. I was very sexy. I bet you were. I don't think that that's How was your hair when you were 14? Um, was it like JTT hair? No, no. It was chubby. No. Were you ever chubby? I thought you told me you were a little bit chubby. Sixth and seventh grade. I was kind of out of that. That 14 is right in there. Uh, That's like eighth grade, ninth grade. grade. Yeah, I was better then. I was moving my body a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, I just got to watch the small soldiers. I got to get in shape like these. No, my 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 feeling is my hair was when it, it probably looked pretty similar to when it is when I have it just short now. And so that's probably what the hair is. Not, okay. Nothing crazy. Just okay. short, short guy hair. It was rated PG-13. And we're going to talk about that <laughs> in a little um, bit. It clocks in at one hour, 50 minutes. <sighs> um, Too long. If, if I had my phone on me, mm-hmm. I would... I would confirm this, but I'm pretty certain that when we were watching this last night, mm-hmm. fucking Hulu was like, it's just an hour and a half. And I well, was like, cool, I'm in. That's short. I think and it might have said like, that, but it didn't. When it started playing, it said like 150. I did not see that. Yeah, though. you did not. And you were like, oh, oh, this movie's definitely only an hour and a half dripping wet. That's not what I said. I was talking about bushwhacked. <laughs> Are you sure? Because yeah. I feel like you just kept saying dripping wet. I did. I was really talking about being dripping wet. You're like, I oh, like... this one's definitely no, no more than one hour, 30 minutes dripping wet. Because bushwhacked is 90 minutes dripping wet. And that's like, you stop can stop watching that. it like an hour 20. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So our next episode will be bushwhacked. <laughs> I'm sorry, Daniel Stern. That's ah. what everybody's clamoring for. Episodes on small soldiers and bushwhacked with an exclamation point in the title. Okay. So, uh, the budget for this movie was, okay, what's funny is we just talked about Aladdin. In the last episode. In the last episode, episode uh, 38. Okay. And that budget was $28 million. So, knowing that, six years later, how much is the budget for Small Soldiers? Well, okay. So, it does seem like there's a lot of effect work, but at the same time, there's like one, there's like two sets. So, it can't be that much, because they don't really move around all that much in this movie, which is a problem. Uh, it get cold done. This could have been done on a back lot. So I don't know, like fifty million. Nope, forty million. Okay, close. And it grossed in the U.S. fifty-four million. Ooh. So it. Ooh, that's... Okay, so that's the thing. There's a lot to talk about, kind of around this movie, because I, I feel like there's not a lot to talk about the movie itself. Um, because <laughs> everything can be said in about three and a half minutes. It's it's dull. Uh, that's really the main, the main. It's main problem. It's just it's dull. Uh, which I mean, we dull? We'll, you don't often use dull. It's dull. It's just a dull movie. It's, it's a bore. It's it doesn't it, it doesn't hit on any kind. It, it, there's potential okay. and it doesn't hit anywhere. Also, real talk though, did it take us two nights to watch this movie? Sure did. Because <laughs> I went to sleep. Because it was a bore. <laughs> I wish we were tracking which movies I fell asleep in, just because maybe there's some data there. Maybe there's something interesting. Which movies I fall asleep to when we're watching? I them. have that data. I've been tracking it. Oh, have you? Let me check. It's all of them. <laughs> such an asshole. <laughs> Every single one. I did not fall asleep during Aladdin. Because we did it in the middle of the day. <laughs> I did not fall asleep on Drop Dead Fred. Oh, you, oh yeah. <laughs> it's going to be my favorite ranked movie of 2019. It doesn't Prediction. count. Prediction. Oh, okay. All right. What do you mean it doesn't count? I forgot to do the bit I was going to do before. Your number, your, uh, Angela explains it all. Oh, now we're ahead. into Now we're into the movie and it's so too late. So let's just pause. Okay. Angela explains it all. Na 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 Angela, this episode is devoted to Small Soldiers and Avengers Endgame, and we also talked about some other Marvel movies that came no, first. Don't you dare! I need you to explain no. something to me. Okay. What are the Infinity Stones, and how do they work? 
The what? <laughs> in Avengers Infinity War. You're asking me what they are. What are the... I'm not... You can explain this in any way that you you feel deemed. You can Please name the Infinity Stones. Don't you Google them. Don't Google the Infinity Stones. In- <laughs> You've seen several movies that feature these Infinity Stones. One of the movies was called Infinity War. What is the Infinity Stones? Or what are they? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's the Infinity Gauntlet? Okay, I do know these things. Okay. I don't really know, but they're magical stones. Okay. How many of them are there? How many? Five. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna is there one five. that goes on there? On there? I'm, I don't know. I'm just There's six. Is there six? Yeah, according to Google right here. <laughs> Which, that doesn't... So now there's got one. It's on his palm? No, it's on the top of his arm, right? On his hand? Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the top. Okay, real talk. I am giving you this question because it's funny that you don't know, but like, real, also real talk, I don't know if I can confirm or deny or incorrect you on any of this, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. So there's six stones. You're reading. <laughs> Stop I'm, reading. I'm actually not reading, but I am looking at the pictures. I didn't know that they all had names. They do. There's a reality stone, a soul stone. You're just reading that now. A mind stone, a space stone, a time stone, and a power stone. Now, the only one that's really speaking to me here is the time stone. Isn't that the one that What's-His-Name gets to do make the little loopy loop? <laughs> Doctor Strange? You got it. Got it. The soul stone is important in that Infinity familiar. War, right? Sure. That was the whole Gamora thing. Don't remember that. Stro- steal a soul for the... You gotta take a soul to get a soul. You know, that nope. business. Nope. Don't remember all that right. at all. So, but what is... So what is... So you're cheating. So this doesn't really count. The internet's not really helping me, though. But what is the point of getting them all together? Um, Because if they all get together on the magical glove, okay. then when he snaps his fingers, he can make half the people go away. Okay. So my question also is that... Is that what the Infinity Stones do when you do that? Like, if that's what happens when everybody does that? Or is it just like, is it what you wish to have happen? Did I definitely miss a lot of the last movie? I only watched (laughs) it the one time. Well, and the new one. (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh, because we're recording this as if we've seen Endgame. But real talk, we're going to watch it tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. You're such a dick. Don't. Hey, that's the magic of podcasting. You don't have to explain that. You're such a dick. <laughs> I just remember, like, the Tesseract being a big thing. That was that was, that was in a lot of them. So apparently that's, like, one Which of those. Which one is that? The Space Stone. <laughs> it's the blue one. It's the Space Stone. But that one's on Earth. <laughs> but then, okay, and half of them are calling them gems as well as stones. This is dumb. It's just like, hey, I know something we can do. Let's have magical rocks. It is definitely geared towards kids, because you remember how you loved collecting rocks? I did rocks? like collecting, collecting rocks. Yeah, it's smart. Kids love rocks. Whatever, uh, by putting, because we're going to have to do that, we're, we're going to put Avengers Endgame in the title of this episode for Small Soldiers to help us grab, a, like, five extra Marvel fans. Those five Marvel fans will be turning it off right now when you're like, this is dumb. <laughs> They're not even going to get to that part. So, I guess not good for us that we managed to blow this opportunity to get some more listenership. Oh, well. <laughs> that was Angela explains it all on Infinity Stones. Well, now I'm curious. What you, is an Infinity War? Because you know that I'm like a research, like a questioner researcher. So now after this podcast, now I'm going to assume by the time we record Endgame, ask me that again and I'm going to know all my business. That might actually be helpful for you. <laughs> <laughs> to watch and Will to, it? to learn. Yeah, probably. What I could probably you? read it. Oh, yeah, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I get so confused. There's a lot of stones. Honestly. All I care about is Sam Jackson going to show up. That's all, all I, I care, care about. about is it going to be fun. Yeah. 
and I'm am I gonna want to hit you in the shoulder a bunch and of times and go again? Yeah, we've, yeah. We've seen it. We're really excited to talk about all of the thoughts that we have on it. Oh, we have to wait definitely. till the end of the episode, but we're not going to talk about it right now. We're definitely we've definitely not. I don't, whatever you said before, not true. We've definitely seen Endgame because you just used the time infinity stuff. Yeah, I did a little loop with the Loopy Loop guy, as you call him, or maybe Mr. I was Loopy using Loop. it and I was. What's moving? the actor's name that plays Mr. Loopy Loop? Uh, Cumberbatch. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know my boys. You know your boys. That's how. What does he rank? Rank okay. Rank the hotties of the Avengers. Hold on, let me. me refer to Google. Okay, who are the Avengers? No, no, no. Google that properly. I want you to look up the hotties of the Avengers. Okay, who are okay. the hotties okay. of the Avengers? If that's the gives just the women, I'm going to be really um, pissed. Also, off. if you're listening to this episode because you really wanted to hear us talk about small soldiers, sorry. Um, wait, but th- there's literally no. Um, why, why, <laughs> why? Because people have a memory of liking it, and that's uh, that's totally fine and valid, and it's okay to like a movie that we don't like or we do like. We might like small soldiers. Oh, there's there's like pictures. Whoo! Okay, rank the hotties. I can't. Of yeah, you can. You know, number one, Thor. Yeah, Chris Hemsworth is your one. He's my one. Two, Chris, the other Chris. Really? And then the other Chris. You don't like that Sandy Mark Ruffalo? Oh God, we all love Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, right. He needs to be my boyfriend. Yeah, that Mark Ruff, that Sandy, that gray, Sandy oh, gray, Mark mm-hmm, Ruffalo, mm-hmm, huh? Mm-hmm, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Stellan Skarsgård, how where's he land? Uh, Doctor Eric, <laughs> he's the Thor doctor guy. What? <laughs> he's the guy in Deep Blue Sea oh, that gets chucked into the tank. <laughs> I mean, pretty low. Oh, he doesn't go very high for you. Pretty low. Not into those Nordic guys, other than Thor. And also Captain America. You don't like Chris Evans? Ooh, but what about bearded Captain America? You like much that. better? Oh, so much better. Oh, right? much better. Bearded Captain America is where it's at. Yes. Uh, Loki. He's got a little bit of that, like. Uh, he's a better. I like Tom Hiddleston a lot more, but he's got that Eddie Redmayne, like I'm a slick English guy kind of thing. I don't like that. I don't know if it's that. Bad, but well, not as, exactly. It's not as bad as Eddie Redmayne. Good lord. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely. I mean, Oscar check, winner Eddie. Check Redmayne. back on our website for my official ranking. Yeah, I'll be on there for sure. <laughs> um, do I have to limit it to the men, or can I have a mix of men and women? I mean, that seems like the appropriate thing to do, even because, like, I mean, realistically, we shouldn't be doing this at all, measuring people on their physical appearance. But um, why? For some reason, it's more okay for. I men think it's now. less about their physical appearance and like how attracted I am to them. Oh, yeah. I mean... Because that has nothing to do with really, like, the typical ranking of a physical appearance. I should do it, because I, I would try to be really objective, because while not uh, 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 not homosexual in any, uh, really, any capacity, I would probably still rank Chris Hemsworth number one. Because <laughs> I just would. I mean, it's hard to best, it's hard to best that. You know what I mean? I really, I, look, I like Scarlett Johansson, but, I mean, if we're, I mean, for being honest... Chris Hemsworth won, right? Well, for you, it's probably Sam Jackson. Won. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Doesn't we count him? Uh, duh. Really like yeah. All right, what are we doing? <laughs> we were talking about small soldiers. Okay, small soldiers. So we did but, some like, high do stats. Do we have to talk about A little small bit. Soldiers? We have to talk okay. about it a little bit. Um, so that <laughs> It's 30 minutes in. So, that's so this is our time. second a Joe Dante movie. You would think that we'd do a Joe Dante movie that people like, like Gremlins, but no, we did small soldiers. We did the, the Burbs a few episodes back. Which we enjoyed. It was a good movie. That was a blind spot for both of us. We hadn't seen the the birds. Yes. Uh, what I can tell you is, um, 
a lot of similar things going on <laughs> so here. Dante likes to do... Well, right, and this is very much like a derivative of Gremlins in a lot of ways, too. I this mean, is really. like Gremlins plus the Burbs plus yeah. trying to achieve Toy Story. In some shameless ways, I would say, yeah. yeah. It's got some problems there. So it is a Joe Dante movie, and this is where it gets kind of like... So he said when he got hired... That he was hired to kind of do like a PG thirteen edgier type movie, and the movie is rated PG thirteen. Um, but like, why? Because of the action figures' use of like knives, and they're attacking, and they're trying and to hurt, harm people and explosives. I think, but they're toys, right? But you got to remember, it also came out in like ninety eight, and we've this was kind of in a period of like real sensitivity towards like school shootings and stuff like that. Not that we have we haven't graduated out of that at all, but this there was some response to that I think going on. But then the other big deal was, like, they were – so they were trying to make it that way, right? But then they started selling, like, tie-ins. Like, Burger King got a promotion. Like, they were – it's a kid movie. Like, the premise is a kid movie, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to see this as an adult right. by myself. So then they're like, we got to soften it up a little bit. So now you have this weird combination of, like, there's some remnants of an edgier movie, but it's not because it's just a kid movie Yeah. with – uninteresting kids. I mean, and they're all older kids, too, because Kirsten Dunst is, what, maybe 14. The kid that we're... This is the main kid, Alan. He is maybe 13 or 14. So you have this awkward mix of what is supposed to be, I guess, edgy funny, but then, like, all the char- the all the side cartoon characters or, like, puppet characters are all, like, that same typical, like, kid movie stereotypes. Like, they are just jokey, bad jokes. The little Gorgonite thing is, a uh, just making horrible jokes. So it's this weird combination. It's it's for nobody. And yet the movie is populated by... You could tell when they cast it that they were going for something maybe a little bit older. Because you had Phil Hartman in here. Mm-hmm. You had David Cross. You had Jay Moore. This mm-hmm. was when the mid to late 90s when we were really trying to make Jay Moore like a thing in movies. <laughs> he mm-hmm. was in so many of these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And it almost never works because he's always trying to play like a snarky asshole. Mm-hmm. And it never really, like, translates into, like, I would say comedy. (laughs) And then Dennis Leary is in it for three scenes. I think he was hired for three days on the movie. I love Dennis Leary. He comes in and does his best, but it's it's three days worth of filming. Yeah. So what is – this is a kind of maybe an unfamiliar movie for people. What is – explain – another explains it all. What's going on with this movie? Just in a – we don't have to go through the whole thing, but, like, what's going on? Okay. So, like, David Cross is this, like, artistic guy who, like, wants to make, like, these, like – figurines that are like they're gonna like learn about the environment they're monsters yeah they're like these little but they're like friendly monsters gentle monsters they're called the gorgonites and then he's got his like i would say he's like toy making partner who's jay moore who's like wants to make like edgier stuff and then they go and they make a presentation to dennis leary he's bought out he's like like, a military guy right and he's bought out this toy company yeah and he's like oh oh fuck your little your dumb little toys. Oh, but I like this like military action. It'd be cool if like toys could actually punch through. Um, there are things like in a little commercial that they made up and showed him. So then they're like, yeah, okay, let's make them do that. Like make them alive. And so here, we'll give you these magic passwords into our military database. Gizmo, your gremlins reference. (laughs) Yep. And passwords gizmo. So then uh, Jay Moore orders all these microprocessing chips. From the military. That he does in about 10 seconds on his magic database internet to the military company, all this shit. Real fast. It's research lines. It's great 1998 internet technology. Love it. Yeah, it's so cool. check our website for a screenshot of that. It'll be right on the website. It'll be right on there. (laughs) Um, And so then it, it clicks through this pretty fast. So 
then these chi- these chips get ordered, these toys get made with these like futuristic 3D printers. Within like three months, like what they say, it takes three months. It's just over like the credits. Like this, yes. get, this premise gets going pretty quickly, which is weird because then the movie like drags to a fucking halt. Yes. But. So then these computer chips are put into the toys, mm-hmm. and then. Flash forward, all the toys are about to roll out. Then there's this kid who's like 14, and his dad owns a toy shop. Am I explaining this how you would want me to explain it? Yeah, this is fine. (laughs) Okay. And then, like, he has this friend who also was in the the truck delivery guy. Dick Miller, who Uh is the garbage man in the Burbs. He's back as, like, a toy delivery guy. Yep. So he's delivering the toys. He delivers these other toys. And then the kid's like, ooh, what are those? And the guy's like, oh, there are these toys. And and then basically <laughs> he's like, here, you just like want them? I'll pretend I lost the paperwork. So the kid steals basically a load of because these his, figures. His dad, his dad is dad an is educational like, toy store. He doesn't want action figures yes. and shit. There. And he's like more classic toys. Right. Old school, vintage kind of he, stuff. But he's out of, his dad's out of town. Mm-hmm. Even though this dad... They've had to move the kid twice for various, like, graffiti and calling in a bomb threat, yeah. which is not just, like, a little thing. Yeah. He's been kicked out of two schools, he yep. later explains. Yep. But he's okay with trusting him, like, with his store. With his whole store But not store really, because he himself. bitches about everything he does anyway. It's yep. such a weird dichotomy. So a kid gets the toys out. The toys come alive. The little monster one is bad. The army general guy... No, the little by, monster guy is good. I mean, the monster boy is good. Mm-hmm. The army general, voiced by Tommy Lee Jones, comes out, and he's trying to kill the monster... And that's pretty much your movie. And then they're all alive, and then they destroy the store, and then there's Kirsten Dunst who comes in, and he's like, ah, she wants a toy for she's a little brother. She's the girl next door. Yeah, girl Just next like she's door. a girl next door in Spider-Man. This mm-hmm. is predating that. She's the girl next door. Yep, so then Flash four, they destroy the toys, and they start attacking them because right, well, they're looking, fine. and then there we are. Okay, so yeah, what, what's, what's <laughs> weird about the movie is that, it like, the setup of it, the, the part you have the most questions about... Which mm-hmm. is just like, wait, how? Wait, where did you get these microprocessors that make these things come alive? It's just like opening credits. We get this over with. It's yep. done with. Yep. We do later find out the retail price of these, which I thought was pretty good. Seventy nine ninety eight. Yeah, that. I mean, right? Wasn't that? Which sounds like a lot for an action figure, and it is. But you got to remember, like the microchips that they got. I mean, it's it should be like eight hundred dollars. I least. mean, <laughs> these aren't just like multi-articulated joint moving because they're figures. selling them as like being able to, like, talk to you and move around. They're just not supposed to, like, learn and, like, come alive yeah. and have this opinions. This was pre, um, like, leapfrog toys where you, the little, little little scout would memorize your kids' names, sure. you know? Or, like, a the Buzz Lightyear, they'll say, like, you can record stuff on there yes. and talk back to you and all that, right? Oh, I did have a teddy bear that you could record stuff on. Like Teddy Ruxpin? Was that the thing? No, I mean, I probably had, like, the cheap knockoff version. My elf, you could put a tape in, my... Uh, uh, big giant elf moved so it's like we were close to that technology but Mm. not for it to like you know right so Mm -hmm. yeah so you've got this premise but then man once these uh this kid gets a hold of these gorgonites this movie takes so many scenes of just like it's frank langella as the voice of the main gorgonite archer and then just and then by the way it's like this is spinal tap crew is the uh, so Harry Shearer and all those guys are the other Gorgonites, but like it's horrible. And mm-hmm. Franklin Jell is so like so. I'm Archer. Yes, and I so sleepy, am peaceful, and we like to hide. And it's just like sleepy. seven of those scenes yeah. where you don't care about. So you don't care about your so-called hero characters. And then you got Tommy Lee Jones, who is just it's yeah. I mean, it's you hire him exactly for that reason. He's got that military like voice. He's doing that thing that. 
he does really well, uh-huh. but it's just a really one-note villain. They just want to kill the Gorgonites, and there's nothing to it. So you don't like those characters either. All of his sub-characters, other than Bruce Stern, another Burbs returnee, are actors from The Dirty Dozen. So this is Joe Dante having some fun, but we're not getting in on the fun, because those yep. characters aren't memorable in any kind of way. And then it's just like this really low-key... And the budget kind of this right on the, I mean, it's on the screen. Like I said, it's just, it take, it seems to take place at like a toy store and then two houses and some mm-hmm. yards. There's not a lot of like movement in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and, and that's the other thing. Like that's just one of the other several things of like Toy Story, right? Like it does feel a lot like we're like doing a riff on NG Toy Story because that was it because it's like two houses. I mean, that's on, there's no mm-hmm. evil kid or anything like that. But even like the big mega store at the end that you see. It's like a toy world, but it's like a toy. The logo is shaped like a red barn, which is like Al's toy barn in Toy Story 2. Ah, so bad. Yeah. So, I mean, it seems like it's deliberate that they're, this is, this movie's coming out like about three years after that was a hit, right? Yeah. Because it's like, we're, oh, we could do this edgy or whatever. What's also weird about this movie, Mm -hmm. visually speaking, is that like half the time they're using like puppets of the toys and that looks pretty good it does look good and then the other half the time sometimes even intermixed with the puppets yeah really bad looking cg it looks really bad it looks like it's that late 90s cgi well but yeah also it just doesn't it's it's probably lower end cgi Mm -hmm. and then it's the 90s so then you have this combination of it looks looks really bad but they like don't smartly do it like, no. if you're going to do it, you got to go all the way. So I'm not like... And this is a lesson The look is changing. We haven't learned this lesson yet. We still have movies that are over-reliant on CGI that they that, that, that it's not there. You know yeah. what I mean? The like, puppets look good. Like, the best, I think, example is, like, in Aquaman, recently Aquaman, that movie mm. has some incredible special effects. Really good. And then every now and again, there's just like, what is that on Why screen? Why does that guy look so weird like, jumping out of the water like yeah, that? Yeah, it's just like, what were you guys doing? Like, so you're so good at certain things. And this is this yeah. weird mix. It's like... It's like taking the lessons of like Jurassic Park because Stan Winston worked on these puppets. Jurassic Park's, I think, the, the reason that movie, the original one, holds up so well is because so much, most of what we see is real life animatronics, and then its CGI is interspersed a little bit, and mm-hmm. like it's well shot and well lit. And it's like in is, the dark, and this one's like yeah. we're gonna do this right in the bright light, right next to a. It looks really bad, person, and, and so that's distracting. But everything is just so small scale because these action figures are attacking. They're all just all on the ground. There's not really any this kind is of the threat. dumbest movie ever. There's not any kind of threat. You can just kick these things mostly. I was like, does anyone have some boots? Just put on some boots yeah. and crunch, crunch. Kirsten Dunst eventually gets the right idea and just gets out the lawnmower and takes out about fifty of them. Yeah, like no problem. Yeah. Also, let's talk about the director's obsession with power lines and transformers on power lines because we just watched the Burbs. Yes, <laughs> and there was a scene where. Is it Brute? It's the other character that went yeah. up to the top of the thing and like gets electrocuted. Yeah, what's and, his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's another. That's the climactic moment of this moment. The yeah. movie is that the kid and it looks like the same backyard. I swear to God, it is. <laughs> it's probably same the same backyard, backdrop. Same, same transformer backlot. Same plot props. <laughs> He's just like, ah, listen, people. If you go back and watch these movies, power lines are dangerous. They are. They Don't, will kill your you. Your kitchen gloves aren't going to help you with oh, yeah. shit up he there. He puts on these, like, yellow rubber gloves. Those are not fire safety. No. No. You know, they're not rated for live wires. <laughs> no. You don't want to mess with these idiot. things. idiot. Yeah, That's no. really, actually, it's really, um, what's the word? Irresponsible to f- put that in a film. Well, maybe that's the reason why it's PG-13. The, the ratings board was like, nope, and they, like, hold up knives. But, yeah, they're not very threat. So, at some there's a lot of like 
for a movie that seems to only take place over like two days, the robot <sighs> or the small soldiers are very fast at like constructing vehicles in yeah, which they, they are. are turned into weapons. Yeah. Including like they get a hold of a lot of nail guns. Nail guns, these flaming they create pe- tennis balls. A tennis ball, they light up tennis balls. Uh-huh. The mom is the only competent adult in the movie where she, but she's only in the movie for like five minutes. The main kid's mom, she actually like is telling some people what to do inside the house and starts hitting the balls mm-hmm. back at least. So she's the only competent uh, adult. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they, but everything else, they, but even then, it's like, yeah, I mean, you don't want to get hit with a nail gun from that distance because it would hurt. I mean, it, you wouldn't, it, they're still far enough back that, like, getting hit with a nail gun is... Well, a nail gun could kill you. Oh, yeah, it could. You're right. Okay, so let's no, make that clear. That. I'm not saying that. You don't want to be like... hit with a nail gun. But they're shooting it from, like, 30 feet off. You don't want to be hit with a nail that's flying through the air. I, you don't. You don't. You got a head and eyeballs. That you're that's why really... I feel like if you just kind of flank them, like flank around and just kick just the thing get your over. boots on and run out there real fast. <laughs> they're fucking little six inch plastic toys. But we get a lot of these scenes, but they're not played for. They're not played for humor. What is the tone? Yeah, what are we doing here? It's it's less for tone. I think the characters are supposed to be quipping, but it's mostly Tommy Lee Jones just citing war references. Oh yeah, you know we get all the there's oh, yeah. he gets on a helicopter, so then we've got the apocalypse now, fly the Valkyrie going. They have war. What is it good for? That song is they bust out of a garage. They play a it's, Spice Girls song. Oh, I do like. That's about the only. There's a couple. I'll talk about the only funny bit in the movie. The Spice Girls one is not really funny so much as I just kind of like the wannabe song by the Spice yeah, Girls. You like want to get down and dance with it. Yeah, but they like try to use it as like this. It's out of nowhere. Like the small soldiers have like hooked up. Uh, oh, the commandos. I guess I should call them whatever. Who cares what their names are? But um. They, he hooks up speakers and to draw them out, they blast Spice Girls. But like, I think it's just what's in the other mom. The moms are the best, even though they're not in the movie. She's like, I really like this song. I'm like, yeah, like keep playing. Yeah. I'm not going to draw me out. I like this song. Tell me what you want. Play track two on that CD. Let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but there's not a lot of comedy going on here. It's very, it just takes a lot. We, we, this movie stops for so many dumb, like we have to like, have these scenes where he's kind of like looking at Kirsten Dunst getting on a motorcycle with the other kid, the jerk kid. And we have to have a scene where that jerk kid tries to sneak into her house to make out with her, but then the dolls come back to life. And that's where we have more voices of uh, Sarah Michelle Geller and Christina Ricci. Mm-hmm. They are the voice of like the Gwendy dolls and the Tommy Lee Jones character, whose character's name is Chip Hazard, by the way. Great military name. But they have a whole scene where they are able to do like a Frankenstein, like resurrecting some other. They put the chip of a dead one in and they can get all the dolls. It's all for a five minute sequence where a bunch of dolls jump on Kirsten Dunst. And at least Kirsten Dunst is just like, just swipes them away. She's like, just all right, get them off. off. All right, get off. I'm good. And then mm-hmm. that's it for that. Because that's all you do with these things. You just flick them off and it's done. Yes. It's over. Because they're small. It's small. The point is, is that it's like. Fine, we can have this premise, but it certainly doesn't need to be an hour and fifty-one minutes. Jesus, no! We got this thing done in one like fifteen. You tricked me. I think you were like, "This is a short movie." We will do I this did not one. say that. I was talking about bushwhacked. Were you? I was talking about bushwhacked. I don't know. Bushwhacked. So you thought moves. the funniest bit in this movie was? It's at the end when all of this stuff has taken place and the two houses have been destroyed. Oh yeah. And Dick Miller's out there. His truck has been destroyed. Dennis Leary on his third day of shooting, he comes in on, on a, a helicopter. helicopter. He's like, Dick Miller's first. He's like, hey, I've had a lot of anguish. I don't want to move the truck. I don't want the BDC. I've, this has been a horrible night for me. And like the partner, 
who her name is uh, Miss Kegel, by the way. I remember that name because Jay Moore and David Cross are into her at the beginning because, of course, they were. And she just pops a check out from like a little like a uh, hand printer. Yeah. And he's like, oh, all right. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Check. And then uh, Phil Hartman comes up and he's like, oh, you destroyed my house and all his anguish, blah, blah, blah. And she just prints out another check. He's like, all right, good. We'll talk to you later. Thanks a lot. <laughs> and then Kevin Dunn is the dad of the main character. And he's like, there's no amount of money. Look at my house. Blah, blah, blah. All the anguish print out things. Oh, that's plenty of money. Yep. And that's the end of that. Yep. <laughs> it's just like, oh, we took care of this because that's how the world works. We'll just yep. pay them off. That's how large corporations take care of business. And it's just Dennis Leary being like that dick that we like to see him in these kind of movies. And so it's the only part of the movie that I actually laughed. And it was at the last minute of the movie. Got it through a whole thing. And it was mm-hmm. only the last minute that I liked. Um, in our last episode, Aladdin, Aladdin. Um, I referenced you were talking about corporation, uh, cable, like Disney taking Disney over, and blah, blah. Right. And I thought you were going to quote a little quote from Small Soldiers. Why would I remember a quote from Small Soldiers? <laughs> I, I wrote it down because it stood out so much to oh, me. Oh, great. So um, Dick Miller, as he's uh, talking to the kid about the toys and stuff before he lets the kid steal a bunch of shit off his truck, mm-hmm. um, says, uh, pretty soon big corporations are going to own everything, and then it'll be goodbye microbreweries. Yeah, which is, that's fun because... I mean, he's right. Everything is owned by big corporations, except for microbreweries. Like, there's plenty of, like, these handcrafted breweries still around. Is that what we're talking about, microbreweries? Maybe I'm not getting this lingo right, but we're talking about just, like, independent breweries. Yes. That's all we have independent anymore. We don't have any independent bookstores anymore, but we've got independent breweries, that's for sure. Exactly. So I just I like want to that. bring that up. No, that's a good reference. Even yep. though hey, the only thing he actually pointed out that it still is independent are the breweries. Everything else is um, owned. Also, there was another point where you did laugh out loud. I did? What was um, it? It was at Kirsten Dunst. Uh-huh. And she, she was, was upside down kissing Spider-Man. Nope. No. She he, was Spider-Man the, was upside down. Nope. Okay. She was in the store with... She comes in with her younger brother into the toy store, and he's all, I want that. When am I going to get that? And she's like, never if you don't shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> shut that kid down. There's something about, shut like... Up, kid. Kids saying, like, people saying shut up to kids. That just tickles you. It's funny. Yeah. You, Stupid it's kid, like shut up. It's like an easy laugh if you want to make Tyler laugh. You oh, yeah. Tell a kid you to shut a, up. If you could tell a kid to shut up. Not like, I don't know if I would respond to that way in, like, if I saw, like, real kids being told to shut up. <laughs> I think you would. I might. But, you know, you know, the, it's all about well, context. And also depends on the kid. Like, does the right, kid deserve but, to be told to shut up? Well, I'm talking about in, like, a real mean fashion, or just seems out of nowhere. Yeah. In movies, I find that very funny. I don't know if I would necessarily <laughs> find that same thing funny in real life, but mm-hmm. in movies where people tell little kids to shut up, I find that very funny. I don't know why. Yeah. Mostly because I'm always, like, thinking, like, in my head. When my yeah. kids are talking, I was like, I just wish you'd shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's all I have for <laughs> Small Soldiers. Did I- you have more? I mean, this was Phil Hartman's last movie before he was killed. <gasps> it was? Yeah, and they had to For deal with shame. that. Like, it came out um, after it ha- after he died, and so that was a- another issue with the movie, and they dedicated the movie to him. But I guess the only comment I have is that even we did an episode on Jingle All the Way, which is, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think we can agree it's not, like, your it's classically awful. good movie. <laughs> but at least in that, Phil Hartman is doing something, <laughs> is trying... Movie. He's barely in this, and it just feels so, like... Odd. It's, it's odd. Well, there's comedians in the movie, right? But they're not... Even Dennis Leary is not really doing anything no, that's it's comedic. Odd. It's just, like, he's being a dick, and we kind of like that out of Dennis Leary, right? But, like, Jay Moore, nothing. David Cross, he's not even playing, like... I, at this point, he's just playing, like, a nerd guy, right? Yep. 
not a funny character. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, Phil Hartman, who you count on, you'd count on is this, like, he's kind of like, she's, he's Kirsten Dance's, Dunst's dad. He's a techie who's kind of being a little bit of a turd to Kevin Dunn, the dad of the main kid, which I don't even think, I, that kid, the main kid is so blah and so uninspired in this movie that I, I don't even know what his character name is. I don't know the actor's name. It, like, doesn't register with me at all. Rude. What if he's listening right now? I think he's still doing well as an actor, so that's I mean, fine. I mean, he think did he's... get to kiss her at the end, so there's that. He kissed her a couple. Yeah, anyway. But he's just blah. I think he's doing fine. I don't think he's has he's probably has money because he's been on TV shows and stuff. I think he's done fine. The movie, it's not like his fault necessarily. It's just a boring character. So mm-hmm. I don't care about him at all. I don't know what my point was. <laughs> what was I talking about? <laughs> I got so sucked into that guy's boringness, I can't even think about what I was going to say. Oh my god! No, Phil Hartman is like uh, <laughs> he like. There's a shell of like some kind of character that was supposed to be there, but then it's like not. It makes me wonder. Like, was his part? Was he part of like this PG thirteen tone where he's like he's like a real like mouthy dick bag or something? Or somebody's like. You know, like, then oh, they took it, like it out. Oh, like a little American Beauty going on or something? Jeez, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> like, he has got Nazi plates in his basement? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that would have made this movie so much more interesting. <laughs> or they go into the, the, the small soldier. Oh, that would be good. What about this twist? So Chip Hazard, uh, Tommy Lee Jones' character, is a bad guy, right? Uh-huh. But then he goes into Phil Hartman's house, sees that he has Nazi plates, he's like... I can't stand for this. And he turns sides and they all, everybody, the Gorgonites and those guys mm-hmm. team up to like kill the Nazi sympathizing mm-hmm. Phil Hartman. Mm-hmm. That's a movie. That's a movie. Does the toy soldier have sex with Kirsten Dunst? What? <laughs> Isn't that happening in American Beauty? Well. What? Dad seduces the girl? Uh, yeah, well, they they almost. They, Mina Savari and Kevin, uh, uh, Christopher Plummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is there like a scene of that? <laughs> yeah, and... Christopher Plummer is, uh, uh, he's fantasizing about Mina Savari, the whole movie. And then finally, Christopher Plummer is like trying to get with her, but then he realizes that he's an old, lecherous Christopher Plummer and then decides not to bang Mina Savari. Anyway, yeah. Oh my God. That's what happened in American Beauty, starring Chris, uh, Oscar-winning performance by Christopher Plummer. <laughs> that's who's in it it's Annette Benning and Christopher Plummer um, yeah no so that'd be yeah a better movie is the Nazi plate <laughs> is the Nazi plate small soldiers oh my god people are gonna be so lost about what the <laughs> fuck you just did <laughs> it's Christopher Plummer <laughs> we call that Tyler speak here yeah. we're like sometimes when we're hanging out with friends Tyler will do a bit like that and then I have to spend the next five minutes explaining it I don't it. like it don't explain it alright <laughs> No, what? So the reason I guess I I I thought this would be more fun to watch because I remember like at least seeing it in the theater or at least seeing it when it came out or seeing it on video or whatever and finding it to be like a fascinating mess. It's not that it's just kind of a bore and it just feel like everything they were trying to do was just lost. Yeah, it just turned into a generic kid movie with a little bit of edginess and violence that is not really appropriate for kids. Mm -hmm. But it's not fun for adults either. Yeah, I mean it was no Drop Dead Fred. Well, there was more, there's more meat to chew on in Drop Dead Fred, at least. There's yeah. more to talk about. I don't even feel like there's not much to say. I wouldn't even recommend to, like... It's not interesting. You go back and... I, I find its release and its whole Burger... Like, have Burger King having to, like, drop a character because they're in a, in Oregon because there was, like, a shooting with a character named that it was similar to the name in their little action figure toys. All of this is more... I, and and the fa- and the other thing is like this was a DreamWorks movie like a live action dream that was like Spielberg's before it was just animation right 
this was like their big push of becoming like a major studio. Was this Saving Private Ryan was that summer? And that it was one, a flop. Saving Private Ryan did a little better, obviously, but small. It, this was meant. I mean, the way they advertised was like, forget about Godzilla and Armageddon and Deep Impact. Come see Small Soldiers on July t- right after July Fourth. This is the way you got to see. And it, I just feel like it was just like, nope, nobody wants this. Nobody Agreed. wants your Burger King tie-in. No one who kid because why do you want an action figure of these boring Gorgonites if you're a kid? Why would you want these organites? Why would you want the evil military guys who are all just dicks? Unless they they know that they go after Nazi plate people. See? Maybe. Okay. I like that, but no. And then the other kind of bit I like is that they do at Dennis Leary at the end is like, how much he's retailing for? And it's like seven nine nine. He's like, add a few zeros to that. And we'll just sell it to the military and they'll go invade some country. Mm-hmm. I was like, that. And part of me is like, was that the studio being like, that's the sequel. We send these real small soldiers out on a real mission. Oh, for sure. They were like really hoping. I'm kind of interested in and that. And then they movie. said David Cross with them and not Jay Moore because that's never working. But send David Cross. What with do them. you have against him? I don't have anything against him. In fact, I kind of like him in certain things. Hey, that was another DreamWorks. The DreamWorks studio really liked it because they also released like the movie Polly, which was like the talking bird movie. Nope, and no he was thought. in that. So and that was smart. like Jay Moore was the lead of nope. that too. They were really into it. Like, they were really trying to push Jay Moore for a while. Didn't really work out. You had these opinions because I remember years ago we watched something with Jay Moore and you just went on this rampage. I kind of liked. Oh, they're just trying to make something of him. I kind of liked that show he did called Action. That was only one season because it was like Jay Moore, a little bit more unleashed. Mm -hmm. Not just like this. It doesn't work in like family comedy. It just means like a smarmy dick in it, but it's not funny. It's like what Dennis. It's it's like the Dennis Leary model, but it's not. doesn't have the Dennis Leary edge, I guess, is what yep. I'm what I'm saying. Okay, well, I'm going to finish this episode with a little tea time with Tyler. We're not finishing the episode because we're going to still talk about Endgame, but yeah. I'm going to finish this portion of the episode. What would Roger Ebert say about this movie? Oh, Jesus, do we care? No, but well, I just want to know the stars. What did Roger say? Talk about. Oh, I got the Wikipedia page open. Great. He gave Small Soldiers out of four stars... Two and a half. Yeah, because you opened the page. No, I didn't. Is that what he said, though? Yes, two and a half. I didn't look. Let's see. What bothered me most about Small Soldiers is that it didn't tell me where to stand, what attitude to adopt. In movies for adults, I like that quality. But here's a movie being sold to kids with a lot of toy tie-ins and ads on the children's TV channels. Below a certain age, they like to know what they can count on. When Barbie clones are being sliced and diced by a lawnmower, are they going to understand the satirical purpose? Roy Rogers died the other day, and that reminded me of how gentle and innocent his movies were. Sure, we called them shoot-em-ups, but Roy spent some time, more time singing than shooting. Kids didn't leave the theater in a state of shock. Now they go to a kiddie movie, and there are scenes where toy characters are disemboweled and vivisected, and body parts crawl around in the street, separated from one another. Then there are other scenes that are perfectly innocent. We get two movies for the price of one. The nice movie would have been enough. Yeah, that's the whole PG-13 problem. But, yeah, I mean... Because it's not a movie... I, I wouldn't say it's a... You say, like, what is it that makes it... I think it's PG. I wouldn't want our kids watching all this. It's just kind of just, like, people getting dis... Yeah, but... But again, it's not also not like PG thirteen edgy because God, those Avengers, God, the Avengers movies are PG thirteen, and we're like just we're dusted people, <laughs> you know, like totally. and there's a lot of like gun shooting and totally. real heavy combat going on in those, right? I mm-hmm. mean, that's where we're at now. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just I find it odd. Okay, what were you? That, that's all we need for Roger Ebert. What were you gonna do? Okay, 
So as we transition into Endgame, okay. Once you're done with this segment, we'll play um, a trailer for Endgame. Uh, yeah, a thing, sure. Um, and that's the time you'll want to turn the episode off if you don't want any spoilers for Endgame. We'll actually mark that in the show notes too. Like the time. Yeah, but if you're listening to it right yeah, now, yeah, no, I get it. Not you know, if you're driving, you're not going to be like, oh, oh, I'm coming up on no, minute. Excuse me, fifty six point two. No, I want people to look at those notes while they're driving. Jesus <laughs> Christ, Tyler. Because that's okay, the kind Tyler. of guy I am. I know it's almost bedtime. It is 12.09 a.m. That's not that late. <sighs> I'm very tired here. Um, before we talk about Endgame, please tell me who are the five hottest Marvel characters. The five hottest in terms of my opinion? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Thor. <laughs> Bearded Captain America. Uh, Black Widow. And... Um, I got two more, two more slots, two more slots. Ooh, Mark Ruffalo, Sandy, Sandy-haired Mark Ruffalo, and you know Scarlet Witch, Elizabeth Olsen. Oh, yeah, no good... Brie Larson for Captain Marvel. Oh, you fucked her over, didn't you? She'd be like my number one. I love Brie Larson. I do too. I really like Brie Larson. And what if Brie Larson and Sam Jackson come in at this as like a equal one? Then it's like. Obviously, I wasn't even thinking. Yeah, so one is a tie with Brie Larson with Sam Jackson, and then I'm kicking off. Sorry, Elizabeth Olsen and Scarlet Witch. Yeah, but the other I can't get rid of the other four though. Yeah, <laughs> I feel good about. Ooh, Paul Rudd will be really running up that chain I now. I do like Paul Rudd. It's true. All right, guys. Well, if you don't want to stay tuned for more, Cher spoilers. didn't even care that Paul Rudd was like her kind of half brother. What are you her talking step-brother. about? <laughs> Paul Rudd's dreamy to share in Clueless is all I'm saying. Oh, my God. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and play the trailer for Endgame and then stay tuned for our take on the end of this saga. I mean, assuming that no one steals our seats. Yes. I mean, we watched it. We definitely We have an opinion, and that opinion is that I really... We lost. All of us. We lost friends. We lost family. Today we have a chance to take it all back. We will. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Liked it. <laughs> Okay, so we are going to talk about Avengers Endgame. We've seen it. We we saw it before. We oh. were just pretending in the earlier part of the episode that we maybe hadn't. We totally. We saw it. This is like the same night we're recording. Same exact night. There definitely wasn't five nights in between no. when we recorded Small Soldiers and now. Nope. What Not are you at talking all. about? Totally. So we're we're going to talk uh, just a, you know a little bit. Everybody's everybody's seen this movie. It broke uh, box office records. Uh, we're not gonna, well, we're talking, it's a spoiler, we can talk spoilers. If you haven't seen it, just turn it off. And, just turn it off. Yeah, Bye! Yeah, you you can listen to other things about it. But what did you think about Avengers Endgame? I'm gonna put you on the spot. Why do you always do that? What do you mean, why do I always do that? Because I'm gonna say this, uh, I thought it was good. <laughs> this is my normal Angela go-to. So you uh, you did not watch any Marvel movies in advance early, you know, right before we saw this. I did not prep. But you had seen event Infinity yes. War recently, and you'd seen most, of, if not all, of these movies in the past, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think my overall feeling about this movie is that there's so much in it 
that now, after just um, having watched it, um, I feel like I need to go back and watch it again because it felt like three different movies. So it's a lot to recall on. The things I do remember um, are good. He liked it. It yeah. is three. It, there's three very distinct acts in this yeah. movie, and they are they are like their own movies, right? Mm-hmm. The first act I thought was probably the best of the three because if you recall on this very podcast – We've had a few episodes where we've kind of talked about Infinity War and what the ending of Infinity War does as a movie versus a cliffhanger versus whether or not that's a satisfying experience on its own. Uh, I think when I first saw it, I was kind of more on the fence of like liking the movie, but then like feeling a little bit like, okay, well, this is half a movie. We need to know. I can't really comment on Infinity War fully until we see the other half of this movie. And so what I liked about – and then, I, of course, I watched Infinity War again on video and liked the movie more and was able to kind of come to terms a little bit with uh, that feeling of kind of just not loving, just kind of being left in the dark a little bit. Um, I really loved how Endgame starts because it sits in the trauma of the end of Infinity War for a good hour. You get, uh, you know, the, the all the trailers for this movie really only showed, like, the first 15, 20 minutes of this. Uh, there's a mission. They go and take care of Thanos real quick. Well, it's like five years later. <laughs> well, that's – so they take care of Thanos, and then they cut five years later. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought that was brilliant. Probably one of the boldest choices, more so than, I, than killing off half the universe in the last movie. I think choosing to just let this – terrible act sit with our characters and sit with this world it created a really complex and new type of movie for this series Mm -hmm. and it gave all of our core characters some different angles to play in terms of their performances right everybody really gets to kind of dig deep into their reactions to loss and what i love about it is that it's it's really quite somber and sad I mean, the first scene of this movie is a gut punch. I think it's a bigger gut punch than any the end of Infinity War. Yeah, with Hawkeye, with, with Jeremy family. Renner. Yeah, it's it's great. And but the movie also doesn't just like let you sit and wallow in like sadness. It's actually the second uh, Paul Rudd's Ant Man kind of comes back into the fold, and he's very important to how this movie gets to point A to B to C. It's funny again, and it lets you have these moments of levity while we're trying to watch these characters kind of move on with their lives which is i I just i thought it was a really bold choice to do that is that what did you think about the first hour or so of this Mm -hmm. all the things you said (laughs) i i I, once again chris hemsworth has emerged as like the mvp of the last few of these movies he gets another different angle to play uh it's i mean it's a great great kind of reveal of what's happened to him in the wake of i mean he's finally broken down right (laughs) like we we saw it um like a peekaboo of it in infinity war he was so resolute though even he was like well i i can't if i if i don't try to push hard to the next thing i'm just gonna fall apart and then sure enough Mm -hmm. we see it and it's played for some pretty big laugh moments but Mm -hmm. it it's very authentic and honest, which why I think that's why it's funny is because it it feels you feel hurt and pain for him too. Mm-hmm. It just happens to be just the, the mm-hmm. sight of seeing him fat and. Um, and what I will hairy. tell you mm-hmm. is that, um, yeah, Thor being um, fat and sad and long, gross dreads and kind of like a gross 
Lebowski kind of character. Right. Um, I still thought he was really hot. So um, I just wanted to tell you, Tyler, that my love for him is true. Yeah, no. It's real true. Well, I mean, we um, all know that was like a fake fat suit that yeah, he was he's wearing. Still, I know, because he's like still hot. Like, that's not what you really look like when you're... When I mean, you there was some movie I, magic happening. What there. I like about um, how the movie handled him and his schlubbiness, he didn't like at any point, it didn't magically go away. No. He wasn't magically hot again. He didn't get like some cute haircut and all fit just with like the magic of his hammer. He was still like fat Thor through the whole thing. He still is powerful. And yes. he has to eventually kind of come around, but it takes a while. Yeah. And he I kind like of the... fucks around in the middle part of this movie quite a bit. Yeah. I like <laughs> that he didn't magically get like thin and hot though. They're one of the best things is like uh, there's an early enough scene where they're back and they're trying to create a plan for what they're going to do. And he's telling like the story of like the Thor, the Dark World movie, which is like the most convoluted of all these movies. And my, it, it's such a rambling uh, story. It's so funny. And but, he's talking about like, oh, here's Natalie Portman. Yeah. And, like, I mean, we're, we sort of dated, but I guess we're not dating now. So everybody and... in the room is just like, they're oh, they've had it. But Paul Rudd's Ant-Man is just like. Oh this yeah. This is the first time then, I'm hearing and this. And then story. what happened? It's and amazing. This is amazing and you're a star and I love you. Everybody's so good in this. Yeah. I really loved all cuz this is really a movie about our original 5 Avengers plus or five, 1 2 yeah. And plus Ant-Man, it kind of gets quite a bit here. Um original 6 Avengers, I guess. And then plus kind of Ant-Man gets probably the next biggest amount of screen time. Right. And then Rhodey, uh, Don Cheadle, he's around, but he's more of a, he's always, always, kind of always been a secondary character to, right. to Iron Man. So I, I, I love that. I, I, Robert Denny Jr., <laughs> you kind of sleep on, because he's been in so many of these, and he's, his character has kind of gone through these ebbs and flows where he's kind of like in Civil War. I don't know, well, for, for me anyway, and it seems like for most people, most of us were siding with Captain America in that and, fight. And right? they, they wanted you to. Right. But I, this movie is kind of bold enough to, like, in the beginning, Robert Downey Jr. kind of throws down on Captain America. Like, now you fucked up. Like, I didn't want this to happen. And we all know that you were probably right morally, but look what your morality gave us. And he, and he, they've kind of all... There's he's blame, not wrong. Blame and resentment. He's not sure. wrong. And it's a it's an amazing performance by him there. And then the way his character shifts in that five-year shift is is different. It's different than what we've ever seen him before. And he's reluctant to go back into the fold because now all of a sudden he's got the good things that he's never had and so mm -hmm. love that chris evans has always been amazing in this uh mark ruffalo who's very different he mostly just appears as hulk in this although a very different version of mm -hmm. hulk but he's so emotive and they've done a good enough job with the visual effects that he just feels like he's there and he's giving this performance, giving us a new shade of the character. I love Scarlett Johansson and Jeremy Renner's scenes in this movie. I, I wish think, there were more. I think their scenes and their their climax scene together is uh, one of the most memorable scenes for me. A lot of people are split on this. Oh. This what's what happens in that scene? They I think are? because a lot of people are really bummed to see what happened to Black Widow. But, like, that's life, man. I know, but it, it's also just the fact that, like, she's the only original female Avenger, and this is what's... And they're like, bye! But I don't think it... I don't think it plays unfair with that, that conflict and no. what happens there. And I, It felt I like the right thing to do. For her, yeah. It was a very and heroic for him, act. Like, as for their relationship. And their I loved... Friendship. So I loved them. And so, yeah. So, so then there was a point in the middle part of this movie, because it goes from, like, the somber... 
a movie about grief into what they even call in the movie a time heist movie where they go back to get the stones from different parts of the time their own timeline. It doesn't work like Back to the Future 2. Ant-Man gets some great moments talking about oh, movies that don't work. And so good, including like a joke about hot tub time machine. Yeah. And it, <laughs> there's a there's a part when they start doing this time heist where I was watching this and I was like, this is the like we, this is the best Marvel movie we've ever made. This is so fun. Like they've managed to make a movie that's really thoughtful and sad and complex and all about these big emotions and loss. And then here we have this like this it's a time heist. That it just that, that phrase is really cool. It is really cool. <laughs> so just the fact that we get to jump into the Avengers and kind of the original Avengers movie and see that from a different angle and see new elements there and these little Easter eggs that come up. Captain America's waltz into that elevator that mm-hmm. makes it seem like you're going to get a repeat of the Winter Soldier elevator fight ends on a perfect m- note. He fights himself. There's a great line in oh there. Oh my god, that was so good. There's so many wonderful moments in this part of the movie that I just loved it. And then, so, yeah, I think the first two hours of this three-hour movie are amazing. Mm-hmm. And then I think the third hour is pretty good. It's a big battle. And you're not, you're not like a big fan of the big epic battles. You feel like it's... A, we've seen it. We've seen it, and you, I know that you, you don't like getting away from the characters. It well, feels... What I liked about the Civil War airplane uh, airport scene, some people don't like it because they don't think there's any stakes to it. But I like it's just it's like it's ten characters fighting. It's big, but there's it's always focused on those characters. Now the, the Infinity War ends on a big fight, and this one ends on a big fight, and they is there's a lot of CGI no names like people that don't matter. They're uh, Wakanda soldiers and Thanos. Uh, aliens and it's just a lot of noise going around i don't i've never really loved that kind of thing and they do this in all these i mean all these movies do it because people like me love it well and i'll listen i'll give it credit there's uh, buried in all of that noise there are numerous really great character beats same with infinity war infinity war had some fun beats in their battle this one does too i think it tops off a little bit before the big crowd of everybody gets there, when it's uh, Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man versus Thanos, and we get, I mean, you are the one that likes to elbow me during awesome action in movies. This is true. And you did elbow me. A lot. When, I mean, we're in spoilers. That's fine. We're talking about it all. If you've started to listen, and I mean, what were you doing? But when you nudged me when Thor's got his hammer, and he's got his new weapon, and he goes, like, lighten up, lighten He's up. got, like, two. And I'm yeah. like, oh, my God, he's got two. It's so like you're, double you did the fun. The elbow, and listen, great moment, right? Yes. But then there's another scene where uh, Thor gets knocked to the ground. And then he, his hammer's out of his hand. And the hammer starts shaking. And this is when I knew. Because Captain America's kind of running around. And I nudged you really hard. You did. Because I was like, this is finally paying off something that and was, I was like, years what? ago. What are you nudging for? Because it's not nudging because Thor is beckoning that hammer. It's because Captain America is beckoning the hammer. And he wheels. Oh, holy shit. What an amazing moment. So of- awesome. This is like fan service done right. People kind of complain about like things that are fan service because it interrupts the movie. But this is exactly what you want. This is <laughs> Once you get to the end of 22 movies, you want to see Captain America wield that hammer and just beat the shit out of some people. Uh, so I like that. I like, even though Captain Marvel is barely in this movie and she's only basically used to, like, knock... She's too powerful, right? She does get a couple of, like, fun little, like... I mean, that power is fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And she gets to, like... Thanos, like, tries to headbutt her at one point, And she doesn't even react. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, 
there are things to like in the battle. I just, for how creative the first two hours are and how different it is, I, to me, going back to, and I get it, people want that. They mm-hmm. want to see everybody come back and everybody have a big fight. I get that. Everybody teaming up together. Yeah. And that's fun. It's fun. I just, I thought the first two hours were something just special. And I thought the third hour was pretty good. Mm-hmm. So overall, it's still really good. I think it's done the top five of the Marvel movies easily. Um, For me, it brought back a Lord of the Rings memories of like, you know, they're down to their last few and then the reserves come in and help right. them. That's just a feel good moment in like a big battle. Well, yeah, we so we went and saw it on uh, Sunday, and then I think that what was weird, we got home and I got on the the you know the computer, the internet, and everybody was talking about a very similar thing that was apparently happening on Game of Thrones. Oh. Game of Thrones had a big had a big battle this uh, the same weekend. So yeah, there's a lot. There's always a lot of that. I mean, a lot of these movies do it, right? Mm-hmm. At least this gives us a sense of of you know the characters that we love doing fun things. So I like that. And then of course uh, we get some. Pretty heavy moments at the end. What did you think about kind of closing the book on both Iron Man and Captain America in this movie? I knew that as soon as Captain America was in like the 1970 timeline as part of the timeline heist and he sees his Peggy, Peggy, who he was in love with. I was Mm -hmm. like, at some point, he's not going back. Right. So I knew that. So I was kind of excited for him. And it's, I like that. It's a such, it's uh, again, some people, uh, there's been some debate over like whether or not Captain America would really like abandon his post or whatever. But he did. Uh, he finished his job that he was assigned to do. Mm-hmm. And the Russos have, have since clarified a little bit about like, cause he go like, he comes back as an old man to hand the shield over to Falcon. Mm-hmm. And they clarified that like he, it's not him, he didn't live their life out in the same timeline. Because of the rules of their time travel, he created a whole different timeline when he went back and stayed. And in order to come back at the end to give him the shield, he had to jump again. So they said, that's not a story we're telling right now, but it could be a story because it, he had to do something. So that confirms that, like, he, he could have been Captain America in that whole other timeline doing something else completely. It's like he's not changing anything that he would have done or would not have done had he stayed or whatever man anytime you mess with uh time right. travel it gets that's the best way to answer it though confusing. because when i saw it after i was over i was like whoa i didn't like i was like according to the rules like shouldn't he not be in this but that's apparently good enough for me that they say like well he had to do another some kind of transportation we just didn't show you that i think the emotional moment of it is really good mm-hmm. and you get that moment with falcon and the shield and you get to see him have his moment uh dancing with peggy all feels right kind of emo- like on the emotive level. Yeah. I think that matters more than logic a lot yeah. of times. Yeah, I agree. And then and then Tony Stark. I think I extra struggled with the sadness of losing him because he has a five year old daughter who strikingly looks like right. our little Sawyer. So I think it like struck me more from like her perspective to lose her dad. And that's just sad. Uh, I don't care that he's gone. He's Done a lot I, of these movies. Yeah, I that doesn't it it hit me with that, and then the final scene with John Favreau with her, the little girl on the porch Which is after a the funeral callback from the first Iron Man movie. <sighs> it's really strong, and John Favreau directed that first Iron Man movie, so it feels very much like a complete closing of this chapter. And yeah, it's it it could have been done in a really rudimentary kind of simple way. I think the way they did it was really maximized for emotional it it worked like it it pays off i think 
the like Thanos saying like I am inevitable, and then the Tony Stark's final act is like I he says I am Iron Man. Holy shit! Like that's oh, an amazing so moment. Good. I don't know who wrote it, but it's it's fucking great. Like mm-hmm. that's exactly what like that's what that's that's what you say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is like that's just a perfect uh end, and then he has this uh, really good moment with Gwyneth Paltrow, who's used enough here to kind of finally close out that arc of of his life and. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. And he good. got to, like, see his dad back in yeah, the time heist. There's some talk about, like, uh, later on in the year, like, Robert Downey Jr., like, pushing him for best actor uh, for an Oscar. And I would say that... Pushing what, huh? Well, I think... Because this is what? his last movie. Like, you know how Black Panther finally opened the door to get the Marvel movies into the Oscars, right? I don't know if Endgame will linger around to be, like, a Best Picture nominee. I think it's too attached to Infinity War, maybe. But I like this narrative of, like, trying to push uh, Robert Downey Jr. into that. Because really, like, this what this movie forces you to do is kind of think about that entire movie. Because I think he's... So Sam Jackson, I think, has been in more movies, but, like, it, tiny parts. Robert Downey Jr., when he's in a movie, he's in all of it, mm-hmm. for the most part. And so he's been in... He's been the lead in, like, seven of these things. Mm-hmm. He is this universe and it doesn't work without him it doesn't work without the first iron man not working it doesn't work with any of that i think he really showed this genre how you can insert comedy and humor and a, char- it, and a character's it. not perfect and uh-huh. a character who's can can be kind of an asshole uh-huh. and kind of unlikable at times i just remember feeling like iron man one and two i feel like was it the second one i thought was just so fun and funny and well, the th- I mean, he's fun in all of them, but he's like in the th- Iron Man three is more he's like three. comedy bait. Like, yeah. yeah, in Iron Man two, he's kind of a dick. Like, and, and in Civil War, remember. he's kind of a there's, dick. There's too he's a, he's a dick in all of them, but to the to the, they always push it. I like how they really push that character to its limit. Mm-hmm. And it's because of his performance, Robert Downey Jr., that it doesn't ever feel unlikable because you still are. You know, there's an attraction there to his. Mm-hmm. He's just he's just a guy that's like his super genius and his assholery is just. What makes him so appealing, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it is. This is a good movie to really send him and Chris Evans really off, and, and yeah, it's a, it's really good. Mm-hmm. It, it, I'm I'm really happy with how this turned out, and I think it does. It both helps Infinity War and also like hurts it in some ways because right. I think it's just so much better. And it pays off so much more than Infinity War, so it's hard to, like, look at that. But if you look at it as, like, one big thing, and you look at that as, like, the first half, it's more fun. And really, like, there's a lot... This one's so focused on the the six characters. It is, but then you also think about uh, Gamora's sister. What was her name? Nebula. She's got an amazing arc in this. Where the hell did this, like, suddenly pop... So it's it's like they do that... They dealt with her and her story And they've been doing some work on that in those Guardians movies, but, like, the way they were able to pay that off actually really works yeah and i wouldn't have thought that even what because i'm not a, the biggest fan of guardians 2 where a lot of that conflict was kind of aired out and i i liked those scenes but it to me it was always it always felt like it was secondary but the way that they managed to bring it to the kind of the forefront of this one mm-hmm. was really cool there's so much shit happening in this movie and you need it otherwise oh, you don't have God. that fight because she's the key to getting thanos back into the fold at the end so they have to have that work from like a character level otherwise it just doesn't you don't get to the end, right? There's so much. It's hard to... There's two nebulas <laughs> running around. Jesus. I know. So there's a lot going on here. Now, the last thing I'll ask you about 
is the uh, the girl power moment in the final battle. What did you think about all of them lining up behind Captain Marvel, all the female characters remaining, uh, to lay defense or something for Captain Marvel? It felt forced, and I rolled my eyes in the movie. Okay. And even in the theater, I was like... This is stupid because they're all like teaming up. Like, how can we help Captain Marvel? All of us on our girl power. And it's like, this is fucking Captain Marvel. She can just fly over all of this. Like she literally needs no defense. She needs zero (laughs) of you people. Yeah. So it felt like, I don't like it when movies are like, look at us. We had a girl moment. Oh yeah, I see. I, I wanted to ask you because anytime if if I'm complaining about it, it just sounds like a, a yes, white man <laughs> complaining about it. But to me, it did feel a like little out of place. It just felt a little forced. Like I yes. liked, I liked so many other individual moments with some of the other characters. Scarlet Witch, even though she's not in much of this, has some really good scenes. Yes, she does. And Captain Marvel, I think they get the most out of her, considering the problem of her being so powerful. I mm-hmm. like her scenes. And and then Black Widow stuff's really good. I think the other problem with that is like that scene is lacking is it lacks Black Widow. Black Widow. <laughs> like your your centerpiece of that You're whole like, original girl. Yeah, so that that hurts a little bit, but it also just feels a little bit like they it could have been thrown in like ten minutes before or ten minutes after. It doesn't really fit into the flow of the it just felt like a like, moment of sticks. All out. of a sudden in this big giant epic battle, all of them are together. It's too winky. It's too like heh <laughs> wink wink, look what we're doing. Which is too bad because I like the image of it, like, I like, like, that's undeniably cool. Get all those characters together. I think it, it's handled better in Infinity War, honestly, when it's like a Koye, Black Widow, and there's a third one, and they have a little mini fight for mm-hmm. a little bit. That's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. I like that a little bit better, and it's less on the nose. Because now that I'm even sitting here thinking about it, it's like, well, all the men were in the front line, and now that they've all been knocked down, now I guess the girls that were in the back can help. Oh, this is this now. Well, that wasn't even the case, it, though. They were all lined up in a different but way. But why? Why are they Scarlet all Witch? You got to line her in the front. She's one of the more powerful. I know, ones. but why are they all? All I don't know how, how they get. How there. are they all together? Yeah, I don't know how they it's got annoying. In one place. I'm annoyed by it. Yeah, it's a little bit weird. It's it's kind of one little sour. It's like it's hey, such a small moment. Sorry, really we killed matter. Black Widow. How about you girls get like thirty seconds of fights together? Whereas I I'd rather get because some of the characters right. Like Tessa Thompson, who is Valkyrie, she gets a couple of really good quieter scenes of Thor in this, and I yeah. remember her scenes in the Ragnarok, and I like recalling that. Evangeline Lilly's Wasp, you know, I'm a fan of that character, and I like her, just her general personality in those movies, and so I like that. So they're, I think that they're doing the work already. Like, don't, don't celebrate, don't pat yourself on the back, I guess. Yes. They're like, like, you've already done some good, you've made some good progress. I'm, I, hey, by all means, make a movie with all of those characters. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. It's like the A-Force or whatever. That would be cool. I would be ready to go. But yeah, for this movie, it's like, not my favorite little moment. Mm-mm. That's okay. Just Mm-mm. one little bit. Otherwise, I was, I'm glad you said it. I didn't want to be this. Well, for a second while we were watching, I was like, where's all the dude? why are all the girls, oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like checking myself and I was like, this is stupid. And again, I understand the sentiment. I think sure. that there's an attempt there, but it, it's also an attempt made by like two male directors. Yes. <laughs> so it like, just feel feels like, a little bit like, like Did you ask a woman about this? Who did you yeah, who maybe ask just like get a little it... input. Yeah. We're, but hey, I've been online. Some people really like it, so I mean I feel like those people being tricked. 
It yes, they're I falling mean, for it. They're like, oh, token girl moment. Well, good. I mean, then they at least they get something out of it. Then I think that's good. Then but, you get bamboozled. Well, yeah, but that's the nature of this world, isn't it? Like we all get bamboozled by some things because right? they do. They do have a lot of strong female parts of this movie. They didn't need that. So, anyway. but does it pass the Bechdel test? Because they don't so not a lot of scenes where they talk to each other. Three hours of script they things better out have, there. Right? I don't know. Hopefully they did. I think they probably did. I think it probably didn't. <laughs> well, there's a part I where uh, Black Widow's uh, running the Avengers in the toward the beginning, and she's got like Captain Marvel on the phone and Okoye on the phone, and that, does that count? There's a command in that though, isn't there? Yeah, they're probably just talking about getting. Thanos, a man. Well, they are talking about, like, oh, Jeremy Renner is doing something bad in yes. Japan or whatever. Yes, it's all about, yeah. I don't know. I couldn't, I'm not going to speak to that. It probably does. There's three hours worth. Of, probably figured out a way to do it, but. I would hope Are so. they counting, like, that scene where they're like, oh, we got to get the gauntlet over here. Yeah, we'll help you. Oh, there you go. They passed it. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to Google it real quick. Great. Endgame Bechdel test. <sighs> does it pass the Bechdel test? So much quiet. The other element I was going to ask while you're looking this up is that as much as I liked the John Favreau moment with the little girl at the end, I did read a little bit about people who are kind of complaining about like Gwyneth Paltrow's complete lack of like being a mother in the movie. Like all of the scenes with the kid or with Robert Downey Jr. With, or John Favreau, she barely has any moment with the kid herself. I mean, there were some points where I was like, where the fuck is Gwyneth Paltrow? <laughs> But I was like, she must she be doesn't, filming I mean, she's else. never really been a big, like, she's always, like, especially the Avengers movie, she kind of goes and films for a couple of days. But, but yeah, I mean, I get that. I, I, I totally see that. But at the same time, it's, it's never really been. She gets to have that cool rescue suit, though. So that's cool. At least we finally get that. Are you still looking this up? I'm filling time. Filling the time. Let's say it passed. Cause now There's you're There's a just... couple of scenes that pass the Bechdel test. Great. This article comments that, of course, that's a drop in the bucket compared to the many, many scenes that feature men talking to one another. Right. So I'm just saying, like, okay, so good job. You guys put them all together for a five-second action scene. But, like, you had numerous opportunities to have them interact, and then you chose not to. Because even when, like, the sisters are talking, it's all about their dad. It's always talking about other men. Yeah, that's what I mean. Ugh, so annoying. Anyway. That's it. We talked about Avengers Endgame. I'm talking through it and thinking through it is making me feel more positive about it than I was for some reason. I get this, like, I get overwhelmed and I almost forget what I saw. And then I'm like, I don't know, did I like it? This calls, this brings me, brings me back to just a few months ago when we were putting <laughs> our best of list together where you're like, I don't think I really liked Infinity War. And then you like watched like five YouTube clips on it and you put it in your top 10. It's like, oh yeah, I like this movie. I really liked it. <laughs> Um, I don't have the memory for movies like you do. It's a long, well, it's a long movie. There's a lot of movie. So. Yeah, it was really good though. I'd watch it again. Oh yeah. Totally. I I probably won't see it in the theater, but. Yeah. Um, what are, what are we doing next? Wouldn't you like to know? Okay. Well guys, (laughs) thank you for listening. Um, that is our take on Endgame, whatever it's called. Avengers Endgame. Event, that movie. And earlier we talked about Small Soldiers. Yeah. (laughs) Did we? Yeah. Today? Tonight? Yeah, it was the same night. Seven days ago? No, it was the same exact night. Okay, well, guys, thanks for listening. And if you want to add to the conversation, you can always follow us on Facebook at Old Millennials Remember Movies. That's the name of our page. You can probably find us by searching that. Yeah, if you just go Old Millennials Movies. And or you can comment on our 
podcast post on our website at oldmillennialsremember.com. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Stop. We've got to focus on just a couple. Just a couple call to we actions. We don't focus on any of them. You're such a dork. We'll just type it in and Stop. like our thing and you, whatever you find, we'll talk to you. How about that? Okay, guys. Type well, it into your Google. Have a... A happy holiday? What were you going to say? A good time. <laughs> a good day. Good day, sir. Good day. And we will talk at you. Did I already say this? No. Another movie. <laughs> good day. I said good day. <laughs>